is 2006. It's been 13 years since Kimberly Lockyer and Dale Worthman vanished from their apartment in Portugal Cove, St. Phillips, in Newfoundland. A man comes forward with information on their murder that he's been keeping a secret all these years. He knows exactly where they are. This is episode two of Cold Canada, Shore Shooting. Nestled on the eastern side of the Avalon Peninsula of Newfoundland, just 12 kilometers from the capital of St. John's, lies the seashore community of Portugal Cove St. Phillips. This is a small town of only 7,500 people, and it's tight-knit. Most people know each other, or at least know of each other. 29-year-old Kimberly Lockyer and 30-year-old Dale Worthman lived in a basement apartment in the area. Both of their families lived nearby, and they both work nearby. On August 27, 1993, the couple seemingly disappear. When Dale doesn't show up for work for a few days and Kimberly fails to pick up her last check from the airport in restaurant where she worked, Worthman's family was concerned. His parents reported the couple missing on September 2, 1993 to the Royal Newfoundland Constabulary. And because that's a mouthful, I'll be referring to them as the RNC. When the RNC went to investigate the couple's home, they discovered a few things that seemed odd. It looked as though the couple were in a hurry to leave. Their car was parked in the driveway, which contained Dale's wallet and ID. When they went inside, the fridge was fully stocked with food, and there was even a piece of toast left in the toaster. Kimberly's purse was discovered, which contained her keys, wallet, ID, and a couple thousand dollars in cash. This had the police questioning if this was a runaway situation or foul play. Over the next two weeks, police called taxi companies, hospitals, airlines, and interviewed neighbors, but to no avail. No one in the small community witnessed anything to do with the couple on or around the day they were, were reported missing. After an unsuccessful two weeks of investigating, the RNC reached out to the public for help via the media on September 15, 1993. Fast forward 13 years later, the couple still remains missing with no viable clues. The police even had special cadaver dogs flown in from Ontario to search a pond nearby Whitbourne, located approximately 84 kilometers from the couple's hometown. It was also rumored the couple were spotted on the ferry leaving Newfoundland, but no evidence was found to support this. Many other tips have come in over the years and a deep dive search have come up empty. That is until a man by the name of Joey Oliver comes forward to police in July of 2006 with unexpected information. Oliver went to police to reveal where the missing bodies of Kimberly and Dale were buried. On July 13, 2006, police scoured the clearing Oliver led them to. The clearing was located down a dirt road off Thornburn Road in St. John's through two kilometers of rough terrain. Once pointed in the right direction by Oliver, an intense search for the remains began. After three days and the use of a backhoe, police finally uncovered a woman's shoe a leg bone, and some foot bones. In a shallow grave of only 70 centimeters lay two bodies. With their bodies, police found some belongings, including jewelry, clothing, a pager, and a pack of cigarettes. They were both shot execution style, and it was reported Worthman was shot multiple times. Lockyer had one fatal bullet wound on the right side toward the back of her skull. A few feet away, 22 caliber casings were found suggesting that the bodies were moved after they were shot. 
Upon further inspection of the grave, forensic anthropologist Dr. Sonia Jurek was reported it was purposely dug and a shovel would have been necessary due to the density of the land. What the killer didn't know at the time was the acidic oil he buried the bodies in would help preserve the couple enough to still obtain soft tissue samples. Lockyer had been laid on top of her partner and removed first on July 26th. Worthman was recovered the following day. It wasn't announced to the public until August 21st, 2006 at a news conference that the bodies were discovered. This was well over a month after Oliver came forward with the information on the location of the couple's remains. The couple's families finally have relief of the bodies being found, but the question still remained. Who did this and why? The investigation and case were far from over. The nightmare for the two families continued. Although Oliver came forward to the police with this information, he sticks with the story that he was not the murderer, but he did know who was. In an interview with the RNC in January 2007, Oliver divulges more detail about the crime. He claims that career criminal and childhood friend Shannon Marin was the shooter. Oliver said he had no idea he would kill the couple the day they brought them into that clearing. The day the couple went missing, Oliver lured them into the clearing on Marin's instruction. He alleged and thought Marin was just going to scare them by beating up Worthman. Now, originally, Kimberly was never supposed to be a part of this plan. Originally, Oliver was supposed to collect Dale, lead him to the clearing where he was supposedly going to be beat up by Shannon. Again, no reason was given for this beating. No idea why he wanted to beat him up. Maybe he would have money. Not sure. But because Kimberly was there when Oliver went to get Dale and she wanted to go, he couldn't get rid of her at that point. So she just got stuck in the mix. She was just a victim who should have never been there. He lured them there on the promise of stolen goods or merchandise that they may have wanted. Once at the location, instead of assaulting Worthman, Oliver recalls Marin shooting Worthman in the head and then turning the gun on Oliver. He told him to get lost. Oliver alleges he fled the scene and waited at his vehicle outside the path leading to the clearing. After about a half hour, Marin meets him at the car and tells him he put four bullets in Kim's head. Marin denies any involvement in this crime. So this was Joey Oliver's story to the police. I couldn't find any further information on why the couple was being lured there for in the first place. Why did Marin want to scare them and then decide to shoot them instead? He didn't really prove a motive for Marin, just claims it was him who set it up and ultimately killed them. After listening to a part of the interrogation, Oliver said he came forward because, quote, he was dying inside. He claims he's very easily led and went along with the plan out of fear. It was also reported that this was pre-planned. So Oliver puts himself at the scene of the crime the day before the murders happen and the day of the crime. He did kind of shoot himself in the foot by telling this information, but he was trying to pin it on Shannon by saying he brought him there and saying, here's where we're going to meet tomorrow. And they agreed to meet there with Dale. Now let's take a second and talk about Shannon Murren. You may recognize his name from the famous British Columbia case involving the murder of eight-year-old Mindy Tran. Murren was acquitted of killing Tran in 2000 after serving five years in jail for the crime. She was found in a shallow grave after disappearing in August of 1994. While in jail in 1995, Marin offered police information about a double murder in St. John's in exchange for a prison transfer to his home province. The request was denied. 
He recanted the statement in February 2007, just after Oliver was charged, saying he made it up to get the transfer because, quote, he was afraid for his life in the BC prison where he was at the time. Marin has been in and out of jail for multiple different crimes and has been a suspect in even more offenses, some involving other children, and has been arrested for not showing up to court. His most recent run-in with the law involved him suing RCMP, in which he settled out of court. Marin is currently free despite his past. From what I read, I think he's a master manipulator. Not only did he get off on the Tran murder, but he sued RCMP in a civil suit, rumored he received a hefty amount. I can't really speculate on if he did commit the crime, but as there's no concrete evidence linking him to it, but it does seem strange to me that he claimed that he had information on the murders in St. John, which there has not really been a lot of, especially in 1995. He's had a lot of run-ins with the law, and that he lived in Newfoundland not far from where they were murdered, and he has extensive criminal past. Police really haven't had any leads on this case. Once they had the bodies and a confession from Oliver, they charged him, but it wasn't actually deemed that he shot the gun. I also don't know if the gun that was used was ever recovered. I couldn't really find anything on evidence that was taken from the site. I know what kind of bullets were used and found, and what was in the graves, but it wasn't said that there was any other physical evidence, such as shoe prints, fingerprints, that sort of thing. The bodies sat in the graves way too long for there to be any kind of physical evidence left over. So whoever decided to bury them and decided to do it there was successful because they weren't found until Oliver came forward. And by then, all the physical evidence would have been gone. They found bullet casings, but I don't think they ever found the gun that they were shot from. And if they never found the gun, they can't link it to the shooter. It's just weird that they don't have any information so long after they were murdered. Even with all the new technology now, there just wasn't enough physical evidence for them to convict anybody of first-degree murder of the couple. Joseph Oliver isn't a saint either. He held on to this important information for over a decade. In 2005, just eight months before he did decide to come forward, he arranged a meetup with an RNC officer. He had oddly requested two pounds of weed along with a $15 an hour job, and he would give details on the Worthman Lockyer murder. That request was declined. After he finally did come forward, Oliver claims he waited so long because he was afraid of Marin. He was afraid he would hurt his two children if he did tell the police. He said, quote, Fear and concern for my family were holding me back. I don't really buy this. Marin was in BC, literally on the other side of the country from late 1993, and was in jail from approximately 1995 to 2000. In 1993, when the couple were murdered, he was in Newfoundland for a very short time. So if he was in jail from 95 to 2000, it would be a little difficult for him to arrange something from jail, let alone do anything himself. Also, when Oliver did come forward in 2006, Myrne was actually back living in Newfoundland. So why was it safer to come forward at that point? Because his kids were older? I think it puts your family at more risk if the person you're accusing lives in the same small city. But that's just my opinion. Joseph Oliver was originally charged with second-degree murder, but at a court hearing in December 2008, the judge upgraded the charges to first-degree. Worthman's mother was ecstatic over this. She felt the murder was planned and deliberate. Unfortunately, this excitement for Mrs. Worthman was short-lived. 
In May 2009, the Supreme Court downgraded the charges to manslaughter after a joint plea agreement and a sentencing of 15 years minus four years for time served. Oliver was given double time for the two years he had already served at the time. The reason was the judge stated if it wasn't for him coming forward, those bodies would have probably never have been found. At the time, there was a $50,000 reward for information leading to an arrest in this case, and that money was paid out, but police never named who it was paid out to. In 2016, Oliver was granted parole and now lives with his family in BC. Murren is still a free man and denies to this day he was ever involved. He's currently residing in Newfoundland. So we're going to go back to the fact of what Kim and Dale's place looked like when they left. They left behind a full fridge of food, toast in the toaster, purses, IDs, wallets, money, everything was left behind. Even if the story checks out that Oliver lured them into the woods with the promise of stolen goods that they may have wanted to purchase, why did they leave behind their wallets, IDs, money, suddenly a piece of toast in the toaster? Like it was such a rush for them to leave to get these hot items that they would leave the stuff behind? Just seems very strange. And if they are going to check out this merchandise they may have wanted to purchase, why would they leave their wallet behind? And why did Kim have thousands of dollars in cash in her purse but did it, didn't bring it with them? That just doesn't make sense. Those two things don't add up to me. It almost looks like they were ambushed and taken from their home. They weren't lured anywhere from what the state of the home looked like when police went to investigate. His story also doesn't line up with what actually happened. If Murren came out of the clearing and told Oliver he shot Kim four times in the head, that was a straight-up lie. Worthman had multiple gunshot wounds to the head, but Kim only had one fatal injury. So the account of what he supposedly said and what I could find on the cause of death for both of them does not add up. To this day, no one has been charged for the murders. If you have any information related to this case, please contact the Royal Newfoundland Constabulary, RCMP, or Crime Stoppers. As always, the contact information will be in the episode notes. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please go rate and review on iTunes. Also, follow me at Cold Canada Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Until next time, I'm Heather Curran, and this has been Cold Canada. Cold Canada.